Hey Connect, uh, Merry Christmas or post Merry Christmas and Happy New Year as you prepare for 2016. That's crazy. You know, um, it must be kind of neat to just be with your family or with your spouse or with some friends or maybe by yourself just relaxing. That was the goal of all of this is to just kind of end the year and make sure that we could emphasize a period of rest and uh, uh, just a special time of uh, relationship and, and hangout time. But I do want to uh, encourage you about some things that are coming up in the new year. I want to give you some kind of healthy tips to ensure that we have a successful 2016. I don't know about you, but when we get to the end of the year, there's this tendency to uh, spend too much money, <laughs> eat too much food, uh, spend too much time on our blessed assurance and as a result there's something inside of us that wants to make some changes you know it's time for some changes it's time to kind of uh you know sock the dough away it's time to kind of look at some goals for the new year and so i want to encourage you i've been saying this a couple weeks to include god in your new year goals in other words uh, transformation or, or real change doesn't come from the outside in. It comes from uh, the inside out. And we need to get into a place where we're not just making New Year resolutions, but we're seeing a New Year revolution that comes from the heart. It comes from the inside. And so the best investment you can make in the new year is to establish spiritual goals and uh, practice spiritual disciplines. As a result of that statement, I think it is very healthy for us to go into a new year in a new season uh, with a time or a season of prayer and fasting. And so I'm inviting you to join me uh, in a season of prayer and fasting at Connect. In other words, uh, the goal is to come together, to pray together. We're gonna be doing this for 21 days. I believe that if we put God first in the first part of the year, he will put favor on the rest of our year. And so from January 4th to January 24th, 21 days, we will pray every day. We'll do that at the church at 6.30 in the morning for one hour, one hour to pray. If you are not familiar with fasting and prayer, specifically, let me just pray for the translation for that, specifically fasting, you can go to our website and there'll be fasting instructions, the different types of fasts, the how-to of fasting, very, very clear uh, instructions on how to do so. But more importantly, we're encouraging us to come together at the church. There is something that happens when we do this. In fact, in the book of Acts, it basically talks about this in one place. It says they were all together in one place, in one accord. That's not a Honda. That's a state of mind. It's a state of being, a state of unity. And it says after that, then suddenly, uh, basically the Holy Spirit poured out on them. And the truth is that the sudden interventions of God that we want and invite are often preceded by the predictable conversations we have with God. And they're even more predictable when we do that corporately. So when we come together corporately and pray, that invites God into our situation and into our circumstances. Now, if you can't be there, I understand that. I understand we have responsibilities and busy lives, but get up every single day, early in the morning. Rise early and pray. Go to a solitary place and spend time with God. You might say, well, one hour, that's a lot. And I would say, I remember when it was a long time. And so what we have to help you on your spiritual journey this year is some prayer guides. Now, these prayer guides will be available this Sunday 
uh, in the main service. They'll also be available before uh, each and every time you come to pray. So if you come to the main auditorium on, on uh, Monday through Friday at 6.30 in the morning, there'll be prayer guides there for you as well. So those guides will do just that. They'll guide you. They'll take you on a progressive journey from where you are when you come to where God wants you to be in the presence of God. They'll give you clear instructions on how to pray and what to pray. And they're really geared for a dynamic experience and encounter with God. So the how to praise, the where to pray, the when to pray, hopefully I've done a pretty good job about that. But why do we pray, Pastor? That's the part that I really always try to emphasize is the why we pray. And so I was thinking about a simple way to promote this, but in the book of Luke, chapter 9, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus actually heals this demon-possessed boy. And this father had brought this child who was being uh, tormented with these uh, spiritual seizures, as it were, and the disciples could not cast the devil out of this child. And he said this in verse 37 through 40-ish. It says, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Now, we all face situations and circumstances that it seems like we can't deal with. We don't know what to do about it. There's just, there's not enough juice in the, in the battery. There's not enough power, you know, coming out. I don't know what it is. We can't handle it. We can't overcome it uh, in our current state. I think we all have probably thought that or felt that at some point in time, or maybe worse. We've said, it's not about me. It's, we blamed it on someone else. Jesus responds to this statement this father makes in reference to the disciples. And he says to the disciples, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus, tell us how you really feel. He says, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? In other words, I've been giving you this. I've been leading from the front in this. I've been telling you what to do. Bring this boy here. And then the boy comes to him and Jesus heals him in a moment. And it says that everybody around was amazed at the greatness of God. I believe we want to see the amazing greatness of God in 2016. But what do we need to do? We need to deal with these two things that Jesus was talking about. He basically let him have it and said, you can be unbelieving and there's perversity in you. What do those two words mean? Perverse basically in its simplest terms means that you're too connected to the world. Unbelieving means you're too disconnected from God. So prayer and fasting is simply put, this is the why now, the antidote to being too disconnected from God and overly connected to the world. So prayer connects you to God more and fasting disconnects you more from the world, which creates a much more acute sense of hearing and a greater connectivity. And we believe that God moves when we're in that state of being. It's not complicated to understand, but sometimes it's difficult at first to see. So we pray to connect with God and we fast to disconnect from the world because we're this triune being a spirit, a mind, and a body. And sometimes the body and the mind are leading the pack. They're the king of the hill. And so when we pray and fast, we put that spirit man in the first position in our life. And the Bible tells us to do this. It actually says in uh, Matthew 26, it says to watch and, and pray and, and to be on alert. And so I want to be found alert to his return. And I want to be found busy, occupied with the work of God on earth until he returns. And so prayer and fasting puts us in the right disposition and the right focus. So join me, join others as we begin to pray for 21 days in the new year. It's going to be an incredible, incredible year. As I transition, I want to uh, share a word with you that um, is not a part of the series, uh, the White Christmas series, or even a new series. Uh, sometimes pastors call this a one-off. 
Uh, I like to call it a one-hit wonder because I believe sometimes one message can make a big difference in our life. But this particular message is very intricate to connect Community Church and our spiritual family. And it's actually something that I'm going to share with you that I have begun to pray for you every single day. Pray for you as your pastor every single day. And it's taken from a New Testament prayer. Uh, there are very, there's a lot of instruction on prayer in the Bible, but seldom do you actually see an actual prayer in the scriptures. But this is one of them, and it's Paul praying in Ephesians chapter 1, and he prays, um, you know, to the church, and he basically inside that has these four things that he's praying for the people, for the sheep as the shepherd. And uh, these four things relate to what we believe and what we're about at Connect Community Church. And I've taught these four things from other scriptures, but I found it inc incredible and uncanny how many other places these four things are revealed. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says this. He says, I keep asking... I like that because he's saying he's doing it a lot. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. He's saying basically, I want you to see some stuff. I want you to get it. I want you to have that aha moment. That's actually my motivation as a pastor every single week when I speak to you is to, is to help you have that spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, I want to bring clarity to the content. I want to bring clarity to the truths of God's word. I want you to go away and go, oh, that's what that was about. Oh, I see it. More importantly, I want it. I want to do that. I want to apply that. In other words, how can we put the cookies on the bottom shelf and make it kind of easy access for us to, to employ in our life so that we can see the purpose and plan of God with clarity? Because when we do, that can help us begin to fix a lot of problems that are going on in my life. And so I'm praying, just like Paul, that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we go forward. And then it says this, so that... And now these four things begin to come out. Four steps, you could say. This progression comes out. He says, so that you may know him better, okay? I wish and I pray that you would know God and that you would know him better. That's what Paul is basically saying here. This is really the first step in everyone's journey. This journey is all throughout scripture. It's basically saying, I want you to have an authentic relationship. I don't want you to just have uh, information. I want you to have uh, encounter with God. And today, that can actually start right here. You can begin a relationship with God before we end this message today. We can begin that today. But if you're in a relationship, Paul is saying, my prayer is that you know him better. Do you think you could know God better? I think we all could say that. And that's part of my job as your pastor is to help you see and help you know God. And if you know him, to help you know him better. Then he goes on. He says, here's the second thing. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but your heart has eyes. It has eyes to it. it. The heart is actually the filter for the soul of man. Soul is referring to the spirit, mind, and body. God saves our soul, all of us, okay? And your heart is really the eyes to everything. The heart is, is holding and all this stuff, basically. You know, the issues of life, it says in Proverbs, come from the heart, the hurts, the wounds, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so to see anything in life, it's going to have to go through this filter, 
this filter, these the eyes of our heart. So Paul's saying, I want you to know him. I want you to know him better. But in order for us to kind of go forward and progress, we're going to have to deal with the pollution in our hearts. We're going to have to deal sometimes with the, 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 the smudged glasses so that we can see life better. We're going to have to deal with the dirty windshields of our life in order to go forward. Why? He goes on to say, in order that, so he's saying that, these things are connected, okay? Two is connected to three. The second step is connected to the third step. In order that this issue of the heart got to get worked out so that you may know the hope to which he's called you. So if you don't know and don't get your heart clear, if you don't know him or know him better, then you can't really know the purpose and plan of God for your life. And everybody is called, not just me, as a pastor, we're all called. If we're created by God, called upon the name of the Lord, we're called. We're called. We have a purpose. But most people never see it. Uh, it's because we never get out of this second step. We never get these issues of the heart. We never get our heart clear and clean, as it were. That, that, that dirty windshield never gets, never gets wiped clean. And so you can't see ahead because of what's in your past. It's actually the rearview mirror that's got us tied down and tied up because of what happens before. And so this is so key. And that is why Paul is praying for the people. And that's why I'm praying for you now every day and will continue through all of 2016. This is my prayer for you. God, let them really know you. Let them come to know you. Let them know you better. Um, let them get to a place where uh, their heart and the issues of their heart are surfaced and released and they're set free in those things. God, so that they can know the plan, the call, the purpose of God for their life. This is my joy, is that people don't just come to church on Sunday, and, and but no, I want you to know God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I want you to know God and I want you to know him better. I want you to find, I like that he uses the word hope, because that's what calling does. Calling pulls you out of bed. Calling helps you get through all the dread and, 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 the, and the deadness of this life. Hope does that for you. Because the, one guy said the two greatest days in your life are when you were born, but or the second one is when you realized why you were born. That's the thing that begins to change us. There's a hope connected to that. Here's the, the last step. And I love this one. It's sometimes been difficult in the past for me to explain. But he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So this refers to, the inheritance refers to all that God has for you. And he's basically saying, have it. And most don't. Most don't have all that God has for them. I would say there's more that God has for me. There's more that probably God has for you. Most haven't experienced that because they're going after it individually. In other words, you can have it or you can have it editorially. In other words, it's attached to this inheritance, this glorious riches is attached not to a person, but to a people, to a people. So these, this scripture reveals these simple steps. Know God, know him better, uh, deal with the, get, get the clarity and get the clear vision, get your heart cleaned out, begin to figure out the purpose, the calling of God for your life. And you do that by connecting, not just to a person, but to a group of people. And so my job is to be, in essence, a tour guide for you. Uh, here, look at this. Now let's go over here. 
Okay, now you got that, now we're gonna go here. Another way to say it is, you know, I'm a shepherd. We take you, take you from one field to feed to the next place to feed so that we can grow. And so I just wanna take you on this tour. This, this particular text in Ephesians 1, um, I was reading it from the message, which is a paraphrase of, of the scriptures. It was just interesting how these four things popped even clearer in the message. This is what it says, Eugene Peterson wrote, I asked the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning in what? Number one, knowing him personally. Two, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do and you grasp the immensity. This is this inheritance of this glorious way of life he has for you editorially. So if you wanted you know, if you were a pastor and you wanted to bring about the biggest change in people's life, if you wanted to speak maybe one message and all you had was one shot at it to your church, I got to say, this might be one of those for me because it's so important to your spiritual development and your journey. And so this is my prayer for you, whether you're on the fringe just listening online for the first time, whether you're on the fringe, you come in and come out at Connect once in a while, or you're a frequent flyer, as I like to say, you, you go on a regular basis, but you haven't taken that next step, or you're family and you know God, but maybe it's time to even know him even better. I, I wanna show you this progression crystal clear. I want you to try to identify where you are in this process or in this journey, as I like to say. And then I want to give you action steps to move from where you are to where God wants you to be. That's what success is, or that's what growth is. It's this is where I am, and this is where God wants me to be. How do I get there? I'm gonna show you how. So here's the first thing. Number one, and you, if you're taking notes, you can, or if you just wanna sit there and just receive it, that's fine, but just remember these things. Number one, you need to know God. That's what Ephesians is telling us, and Paul is praying for us. Know doesn't mean like know, like head knowledge, like pass a test on a piece of paper, like memorize something from a book, like know, like familiarity with a church or the house of God or the, the, the liturgy, uh, the religious experiences. The original manuscripts of the word know, whenever it's used in the New Testament, the Greek language, when it uses the word no, it, the word for no is gnosko, gnosko. It's kind of a big word, but a way to describe that would be is, I know Tom Brady, okay? You know Tom Brady, we love Tom Brady. We're all Patriots fans up here in New England. But if Tom Brady was to walk into this room and go you know, right in front of me, um, I would know him, but he wouldn't know me, okay? So we don't have a relationship, we don't, we don't gnosko each other. We don't know each other. In the book of Genesis, there are examples, different places throughout the Bible, but I was thinking about one in Genesis. It says, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. Okay, so that word knew her is kind of a biblically discreet word to describe an intimate relationship that he had with his wife. Similarly, this word gnosko is an intimate word. It's describing um, an authentic personal relationship with God. Just yesterday, I was meeting with a young man in my office, a, 
uh, 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 definitely going to be a strong leader for the kingdom of God. And he came in to, to ask questions, and, he's, and, he, and he waited patiently uh, to meet with me, and he had about an hour's worth of questions. And at the end of his questions, I had some questions for him about his relationship with God. And I asked him to, to try to describe his relationship with God, and, you know, looking for certain cues or signs that it was personal, that it was gnosko. And some of the answers that he came up with were things like, you know, well, I go to church on a regular basis, I read my Bible, uh, you know, he referenced certain happenings and things and things that he did. And, and that's not what I mean. And that's not what God means. It's not, for example, about a membership class or you filed papers with a denomination. It's not about perfect attendance. It's not about things that you could do. It's not about memorizing mountains of scriptures. Many, many, and my concern as we go forward is that we never assume, but many have met church, but they have not met Jesus. And so we don't want people to just join a church. We want people to join in relationship and know Gnosko, Jesus. And this verse hit me very hard as a teenager, and I reference it with uh, just sensitivity, but it says this in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, not everyone who says the prayer, Lord, you're my Savior, Lord, you're Jesus, you're my Savior, you're my Lord. Uh, that's a, that was a problem for me when I read this because I said this prayer. I said, Lord, Lord, I thought that was good enough. And, and, and the scripture is saying, nope, it's not. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then it goes on to say, in fact, in that day, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. And he's basically saying, nope, that's not good enough, okay? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never gnoscoed you. So we cannot forget the importance of getting close to God. My, my true prayer is that and desire is not to pack out auditoriums, but to help people know God and to know Him better. The joy, ultimately, guys, is in the journey. It's in the journey. So how can we know Him? How can we know that we know him, Pastor D. Well, look at this scripture in 1 John 2, verse 3, it says, we know that we have come to know him. How? If we obey his commands. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. He's saying, we will know that we know when we start living out what he asked us to do. So what does that mean? You got to take steps. You need to keep moving. Uh, I won't sing a song right now, but you know what I'm thinking. You need to keep moving. My friend who was also my professor when I was in college, Mr. Haney, he taught business management, but I, he used to like sporting events and I used to like to go with him. And whether we were at a soccer game or a football game, he would always <laughs> accost the refs. And a lot of times the refs would be on the sidelines and if they weren't moving, he was very frustrated because he was once a collegiate referee. And so he figured that they're not going to call the game right. They're missing things. It's changing the dynamic of the game because they won't move. And so he would yell from the sidelines, move around. You're killing the grass. And I used to laugh so hard when he would say that. But basically it was saying that if you stay where you are and you don't move, the grass will die. 
And that's the same way it is in our spiritual life. If we don't keep moving, we can die. Our spiritual life can die. Um, we, don't, we don't grow. And so I'm encouraging you to take some steps. And here's what I'm asking you to do. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, basically gives us these action steps throughout the Bible. But so that you know him, here's how you know him. Every time a person makes a decision for Christ, in re- to come into relationship with Christ, to know him, makes that faith and grace reception, You see that in the New Testament, there's always an action step that follows that. Here's the first action step, and you can write this down. You need to be water baptized. Now, it's amazing how many people at Connect have given their life to Christ. And in the hundreds, we're probably in the maybe 400 decisions for Christ. I don't have the number right in front of me right now. A lot of people. But there's not that many that got water baptized. Are you water baptized? Maybe you did that as a child, uh, but you need to do it as an adult or as a, a person whose free will choice has said yes to God. What you did then, if you were baptized or christened is the tradition, doesn't nullify what you do now. It only confirms it. In other words, when you were, depending on your tradition, christened, for example, the desire of that christening was that you would come to know Christ. Well, now you do. So now what do you do? Post-decision, you confirm or you validate that decision by being water baptized. Why? Because Jesus did it. So we're simply following in his footsteps. It doesn't nullify what happened before. It only confirms and validates what happened when you made that decision to actually become a follower of Christ. So, so if you look at the, 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 the scriptures, every time there's a water baptism, there's actually 27 references to it in the New Testament. They are all post-decision, not pre-decision. I'll give you one example from the book of Acts. Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted his message, so that was the decision, it says, were baptized. So decision, then baptism, right away. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. So I think it's Peter preached a message for about 10 minutes. They gave their hearts to Christ, and then 3,000 of them got baptized. That's how it's actually supposed to be. Here's the point. If you want to know him and keep that uh, intimacy strong, then you take steps that God offers us. And some of us haven't been water baptized. And that may be why, as a believer, we are floundering and fumbling the ball in our faith because we haven't taken that next step. So here's the second step. Find freedom. So we want to know him and know him better, and then we want to find freedom. So this is saying that now that I have the power of God in my life, because I have invited him into my life, I can work through the issues that are in my heart. He's in my life, now I can work through the issues that are in my heart. The eyes in my heart need to get clear now. So just because I'm a believer doesn't mean I can't be in bondage or have issues in my life. You can be saved and yet still have addictions, hurts, habits, hang-ups, unforgiveness, bitterness, all kinds of things that are there. And the beauty is the first time in your life, because you know him, you have actually the power to overcome these things. But make no mistake about it, these issues are there and they are there in your heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence. So there's, there's steps, there's effort for out of it, the heart, are the issues of life. All the good, the bad, and the ugly, the issues of life are going on right now in your heart. We all got issues. Everybody that's listening online right now, you all got issues. Look around to your neighbor and say, you got issues. It, all God's children got issues. If you don't think you got an issue, come on, you all know what to say. If you're from Connect, that's your issue, okay? So how do we deal with those issues? We deal with, how do we deal with the pollution in our heart? This is where... To deal with the issues and the pollution of our heart, this is where most people will never go. 
Most, a lot of people won't go. Maybe not most, but a lot. Um, it's sad, and I, 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 don't, I almost, I don't know how to pause on this, but to grow here, you sometimes have to go there. But we can shut God out and say, you can't go there, God. And so God knows that, and so he wants us to invite someone else into the healing process. God's answer to dealing with the pollution in our heart isn't just you and God go work it out. God's answer is this. In James 5.16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, you may be changed. Um, that is counterintuitive. In other words, other people hurt me, Pastor D, and you're telling me the solution is to get with other people? Yes, that's what God is saying. That's what God is saying. Those who will go through this process will experience healing maybe for the first time in their lives, ever. It's a fact. It, it, it happens all the time. I, I have testimony after testimony, personal and, 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 and secondhand, but many won't do it. And I'm praying for you that you will do it. There are a bunch of us in this church who carry wounds and habits and pain and have all kinds of concerns. I'm telling you as your pastor, God's system for, for you and me to resolve these things once and for all is to get with others, uh, confess it, uh, get prayer for it, and, and repeat. Get with others, confess it, pray for it, repeat. In other words, the goal is, is something like this. It's, well, first of all, the action step is, is to do what? It's to get in a small group. So the action step is get in a group. This is the starting point of this process, not the end point. So once you're in the group, then the goal becomes get close to someone or some ones where you can get to the point where you, you have the confidence and the, the safety, the emotional safety net to say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I don't really want to do it right here. Can we go over there? Can we go outside? Uh, this is, can, can, can I tell you something? Can you pray for me? And then that begins this incredible process of freedom. When you get there, you will grow here. And so groups are starting in January at Connect. And I would just say, I'm praying for you to get in. Make a commitment with your will to work out the things that are going on in your heart in 2016. We all need to grow. Make this a priority in 2016. This is how we'll stay healthy as a church. This is how we'll stay. We're not gonna stay healthy from me talking to all of you like this. We're gonna stay healthy by all of us not getting information, but interacting. Not just commenting on things, but collaborating about things. And so we're gonna get bigger and smaller at the same time. Hebrews 10 tells us this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to act to acts of love and good works. How do we do that? How do we do that? By meeting, and let us ne not neglect our meeting together. Don't do it. In 2016, life is speeding up because he's coming back. Don't neglect meeting together. As some people do, it says. Some people will do that. Don't be one of those people. But encourage one another. I'm encouraging you. Encourage your brother and sister. Those of you who are in groups, tell other people about it. Especially now. That's what it's saying. In other words, and I would say, Paul, you said that then. I'm saying now, especially now in the world in which we live. Because the day of his return is drawing near. You need a group. I need a group. So the next step in the progression is to discover your purpose. This one gets me fired up because, but the key is you won't be able to do this until you first deal with your yesterdays, 
you can't face your tomorrows. You have to deal with the, the issues of the heart first. But when you do, then you get, to, you get to realize that God has given each one of us these gifts. And this is what it says in Romans 12, 6. It says, we have different gifts. Every one of you have, have gifts. You're all gifted. You all got skills. According to the grace, that word grace is not, you know, just a pretty girl's name, what we say before we, you know, eat our meals. That word grace in the Greek is the word charis, where we get the word charismatic, which sometimes has a bad rap for it. But he says we have these different gifts according to the grace given us. So there's different gifts and different graces that have been given to us, apportioned to us. That word grace is referring to uh, divine enablements is kind of the big word, but it's like these, these superpowers to help us in this cursed, messed up, jacked up world that we're living in right now until he comes back. He's like, I got something for you, kid. I got some skills, some super skills that I want to give you to lead you and to empower you to fulfill your purpose. In fact, you can't fulfill your purpose without these these gifts or these skills and in fact you won't know your purpose because they're they're inextricably linked to each other your your designing your destiny they're totally linked together so first peter 4 10 says god has given gifts charis to each of you from his variety of spiritual gifts he is like way better than santa claus he says, manage them well. You got to steward them. I mean, you got to do something with them. He's watching to see how you're handling what he gave you. We'll all stand before God one day, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? This is what he's talking about right here. Manage them. So why? So that God's generosity can flow through you. Where? Here, down here on earth. Now. Okay, so I can help you discover your purpose. I can't lead you to the final thing, but it, we can help start the process here at Connect in discovering your purpose. And so how do we do that? Here's your action step. You got to go to our growth track. Go to the growth track. All right. This gives you progressive steps of ultimately discover this discovery of your purpose. Okay, why? Because 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says this. Paul speaking, now about your spiritual gifts. I'm going to talk to you about those cares things. I'm going to talk to you about those divine enablements, those super skills I gave you, brothers. I don't want you to be ignorant. So 2,000 years ago, Paul's saying, people just don't know about their spiritual gifts. You know what? Nothing's changed. Here we are 2,000 years later, and 87% of all believers do not know their spiritual gifts, which is another way of saying you don't know your purpose because you can't fulfill your purpose without your gifts. So you might as well say, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what my purpose is. There's an ignorance in the body of Christ. And this has to change. In order to receive the best God has for you, this has to change. When you find out and discover your gifts, this is, this is the exciting part, get ready. Number four, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. The best of, that God has for you is not just with you. It's when you join with the rest of the saints together and making a difference. You, you, you discover the immensity, as like it was saying in Ephesians 1, this incredibly uh, lavish plan that God has for you. You find a place where you come to know God and know him better. You found a, a, a people, friends, where you begin to work through the issues of your heart. You begin to, your eyes and the pollution over your eyes and the smudge over your glasses. You have a perspective on the world. You see things differently. That happens in this journey. Then you realize because of those two things being worked out that he has these, these, these gifts, these charis 
for you, this, these divine enablements for you, and they're connected to your purpose, and that purpose is then not just for you, but it's with other people to accomplish that in order to make a difference. And that's really the difference. A lot of people around you right now, maybe you listening right now, you're pursuing happiness and joy. You're pursuing a stress-free life. You're trying to figure out how to do that. The, the way to eliminate the stress is by putting something in the place of that stress. In other words, the best way to overcome our problems is to be introduced to a bigger problem that you cannot handle by yourself. And in the process of joining others in trying to fix that problem and heal that problem, your problems go away. It's, it's just the secret sauce to life. And so my declaration for you, for our church, my prayer for you and for our church, is that you need something in your life worth living for. This is, uh, it's different than surviving, everybody working for the weekend. It's different than success, everybody working for accolades and accomplishment. It's significance. It's working to make a difference in the life of someone else. Sociologists have discovered that this is the highest level of living, but Jesus knew it all along. Jesus said so. In John 15, in your notes, John 15, 8, in verse 11, it says this. This is to my Father's glory that you and me, we bear much fruit. So he wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to, uh, to, to accomplish uh, what's good and what's right, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So that's how we know him, okay? I have told you this, though, so that my joy may be in you. It's not an external happen, hap, uh, happiness from happenstance, from circumstance. No, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That means it's maturing you. It's on, a, it's on a continuum of maturity. It does something in you. It's transcendent. It's real joy. So how do we do that at Connect? Here's the action step. You got to get on a team. You got to get on a team. Join the dream team with me. Get on the dream team. Get with hundreds of other people at Connect and join the dream team. By the way, we have a dream team event at the end of January you don't want to miss. So if you don't want to miss it, get on the team. But we don't like the word volunteer around here because it sounds like we're trying to like talk you into something. I'm not trying to talk you into something. I'm just, I want you to find a team where you can do something great. Uh, there are people right in, 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 in my visual eye gate right now that are making a difference with other people. I know people all over the place that are on teams that are making an incredible difference and their lives are being changed by doing that with other people. And so this is how, as your shepherd, I, I want to lead you and lead Connect. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, all right, and then make a difference. That's what life is all about. And so we can make a splash, maybe, by ourselves, or we can make a wave together. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body. You are a part of Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it, it says. So as I conclude, let me just say something to you that will need some quick explanation. That is, we need you. We need you. Now you're saying, Connect won't be okay if, if I don't participate? No, Connect's fine. Connect's fine, We're, we'll do all right. But we won't know the fullness of what God has for us as a church if, if you're not a part of it. I want you to be a part of what God is doing. That's what this verse is saying to us here. So, so come be a part so we can do something great. Come be a part lest you come apart because that's what happens when we don't really join with others in accomplishing what God has for us. Let's do something great in 2016. God has more than we could even ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within all of us. Let me pray for you as we go into 2016. Would you just close your eyes, maybe uh, hold the hand of those that are watching with you and, or maybe just put your hand on your heart and let me pray for you. 
Father God, I just want to thank you for this church that I get to pastor. I love connect with all of my heart. It is a joy. 2015 was such a joy. There were, there were highs, there were lows, but there were more highs than lows. There were some amazing things that happened this year. But God, I know that you want to do great and mighty things in 2016. And my prayer for the people that are, that are under your uh, influence and as the under shepherd, my um, influence, God, I, my prayer is that every person here would know you and they would come into an authentic relationship with you and they would seek you with all their heart. They would know you better if they do know you, God, and that they would, Lord, also find the freedom that you have for them, Lord. And that's gonna be found in relationship with friends that we just open up with and we get real with and we come out from behind the fig leaf. And God, I pray for every person that they would discover that God has a purpose and a plan for their life and it's connected to their gifts. And if they will operate and use those gifts for the glory and purposes of God, that with others, they can make an incredible difference in 2016. God, we know you're coming back one day and we wanna be a church that is found, occupied, and busy. And we're just, we're just, we're not here, God, to uh, just talk to people. We're here to take over. We're here to reach people in our community, in the, in, the, in the highways and byways and in the streets and move them to the seats, Lord, and move them there to significance. That's what I look forward to. That's what I can't wait to do as we approach 2016. Lord, a season of prayer where we invite your power into our midst, Lord. I pray that we'd see more miraculous intervention of God than any other time because it was preceded by conversations with you individually and corporately. And it's in your precious name that I pray. Amen and amen. I love you and I'll see you the first of the year. Get some rest and have some great time with your family.